0: You're listening to, go, to let's go, let's go, let's go, medically unbiased, unbiased, offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See an unbiased opinion, medically speaking, yeah, medically unbiased. The current pervasive dismissal of perceived underlying American ideologies such as freedom, limited government. Uh, equality and the dream of, and equal chance at success, has been unapologetically present for as long as I can remember. Recently, it seems as if those collective ideas have simply disappeared in a time frame that can easily be described as overnight, especially to one of us as over 40. But in an attempt to promote safety, or at least the perception thereof, society, including social media, has worked diligently to protect people from harm even if the harm is simply perceived. America likes isms, you know, like nationalism and capitalism, which is often described as crony. And there's fascism and Marxism and feminism and socialism and occasionally idealism, which are all used daily in today's social media landscape. These are not new terms, and I'm sure I forgot a bunch of isms, yet... People work to promote their isms, no matter how dysfunctional or illogical those isms may be. One ism I recently noticed was safetyism. Now, safetyism is used by social psychologist Jonathan Haidt in his book, The Coddling of the American Mind. It's used to help describe how people desire safety in all things, even things they no longer feel are grounded in legitimate psychological research. Safety from harm today could mean Safety from being killed by terrorists. Or it could just be safety from someone else's opinion. This opinion may be voiced or written with English words, including those words with vowels and occasionally those evil hyphenated words. Essentially today, people just want safety from anything that could be perceived as rude or insensitive or essentially even opposing views. So, think the woke, aggressive Twitter mob, but weaker, living in mom's basement and more afraid of their own shadow than any gopher on Groundhog's Day. So, the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, was once the gold standard of responses to any schoolyard bully. The rationale of this phrasing was that words themselves do not hurt. The speaker of the phrase was explaining their position of being emotionally strong and saying that you can't hurt me unless you use those pesky sticks and stones that you're going to use. Um, But the first known publication of this sticks and stones phrase within America was in the Christian recorder all the way back in 1862. At that time, the phrase was described as an old adage, meaning that even in 1862, that phrase was pretty well known. The Christian Recorder was a four-page weekly newspaper published during the Civil War. In 1862, the paper was edited by Elijah Weaver, an African-American who attended Oberlin College in 1849. This weekly paper was created by the African Methodist Episcopal Church and was distributed by many black army regiments within the Union Army. It was used to help reunite families who were sold or traded as slaves in the South. Now, if ever a group was capable of claiming harm due to words or phrasing, it was the American slaves. The Christian recorder instead used the sticks and stones phrase to promote an individual's strength and fortitude against an oppressive southern patriarchy. Scary how in just a few short years, things have changed so much. Currently, delusion and fantasy supplant truth, and masking and COVID are today's fear-mongering tactics. Wearing a mask equals safety, and two masks equals even more safety. Yet, ten masks means I'm being rude, which is aggressive and therefore unsafe. Illogical safety promotion has become the mainstay of both social media and the news media. If you even attempt to voice a concern, or God forbid have a differing opinion, the woke Karen mobs will emerge from their ether and perform a digital search-and-destroy mission, almost as if on cue. Boycotting podcasts, rallying against you as a person, think sentient machines in the matrix trying to destroy Neo. It's cancel culture personified. So how does one utilize that sticks and stones line today, when words are all that appear to matter? Arguing against wearing a mask only works if the people of the opposite opinion are willing to listen to opposing views, and currently they are not. Today it's safety, safety, safety even if it's perceived safety versus actual safety. So when do we get to remove the masks? When do we as Americans get back to normal? At this point, I'm afraid the answer is it seems like never, at least where I live uh, and for many of you in the country. Um, it's not simply we're not going to get there with the use of words is the problem. We're going to wait until large groups of people start to rise up against this stupidity and determine enough is enough. Things will always remain as they are if that doesn't happen. It's going to be the status quo. Non-maskers have become the proverbial Union Army in the North, arguing against the irrational actions of the whole mask-mandating Karens of the Confederate Army to the South. Hello and welcome to Medically Unbiased Today. I'm flying solo as Ron is indisposed and unable to be with us today, but I think we can try and pull something off and uh, get some information out there. So uh, I, I've been asked by some people to talk about a couple things on the podcast today, and I thought I'd bring up the first one, which is the fact that Congress uh, on March 2nd issued a letter, a letter was written uh, Norris Cochran was acting secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. Now, Mr. Cochran, Dr. Cochran, uh, I think pretty sure he's a doctor. Doesn't, it doesn't say so here, but I'm pretty sure he's a pediatrician if I remember right. Um, so Mr. Cochran, he says that recent and reexamined data has demonstrated that both the Pfizer Biotech and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines appear highly effective after only one dose, to critical clinical endpoints, including transmission, hospitalization, severe disease, mortality, and the, and, oh, and mortality relative to the two-dose regimen currently authorized. Emerging evidence has been discussed in various peer-reviewed clinical journals in the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet. Of note, a study evaluating patients in the United Kingdom found that the first dose of the two vaccines was associated with an efficacy rate of eighty-five percent when compared to hospitalization rates. In addition, the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy released a paper calling for the Food and Drug Administration Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee at the Center of Geez, there's so many committees. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Advisory Committee on immunization practices to con- that's like that literally a whole section is all the different groups. And it comprises four sentences of this letter. That's ridiculous. Anyway, um, those groups want to conduct urgent review of all currently existing data and address the issue in emergency sessions. As you may be aware, uh, the center for infectious disease research and policy includes leading experts in public health. They don't mention who they are. Including a member of President Biden's COVID-19 Advisory Board, so one person, uh, which we're not sure because there's multiple people on that board. In response to this large and growing body of real-world evidence, authors of these studies and others in the medical community are urging regulatory bodies to study the real-world effects of these vaccines. Now what is he? What is he talking about? We've been studying that. I mean, we are a study, right? Everyone who's got a vaccine is a study because nobody's had this vaccine before. So we're all essentially a study. Uh, so they're doing that study. Now, we're all doing it. There's Facebook groups of side effect groups doing the study. So it's being studied. But why is he pushing this agenda? So the importance of this is that they're trying to get and ensure that they get everyone vaccinated, and they're trying to, I don't know if they're trying to save money, or they're trying to circumvent the two-dose regulations that were approved by the FDA. But from this letter, it appears that um, they want to just do one dose of these vaccines at the 85%. Instead of getting them to, the. they want to revise the emergency authorization for Pfizer and Bio, Biotech and Moderna, to allow for increased flexibilities in the timing and administration of the second dose because I guess they're having trouble linking people in the second dose at the 27th or the 30th day to make sure that they get their, time, their timely dose. Um, under Section 5, 564G2, the Secretary has the authority to revise an authorization if other circumstances make such revision or revocation appropriate to protect public health or safety. It's funny because are they protecting public health or safety by revising the current guideline? I thought we were all getting the vaccine and it had to be done a certain way. And the company said this was the most effective way and this is what was being done. But it's ironic because this came out after Johnson & Johnson's was approved for emergency use. And they're a single dose. So now is this being pushed truly by the government or is this being pushed by the companies who mandated a second dose, Pfizer and uh, Moderna? I don't know, but uh, I do know that Congressman Murphy is pushing for this as well because uh, he, in in Carolina, he wants to make sure. Greg Murphy wants to make sure that this is part of it, so he's he's pushing for it. Um, he's a he's a representative from North Carolina. So now we've got congressmen pushing for this, asking for this to be done. Um, I I don't know. It's just kind of, it's kind of funny that we got Congress trying to tell the scientists what to do when this is the Congress that believes in the science of what to do. So would they, why would they dictate to somebody what to do? I'm just lost. I'm, (laughs) I'm totally lost. And I think it's, um, it's a mess. It's a mess, people. It's funny and a mess all at the same time. So, to highlight the insanity of this, um, there's a there's a link on uh, Doximity. If anyone uses Doximity, for uh, but the, pretty much it's all going through uh, the Wall Street Journal. And the Wall Street Journal highlights that the FDA last year approved these two doses of regimen vaccines from Moderna and um, a partnership from Pfizer. Uh, approved a one-dose vaccine from Johnson & Johnson. So the U.S. government scientists, which they don't say who that is, they just say U.S. government scientists, are pushing back against calls for the one-dose regimens for these two vaccines, saying that there isn't enough evidence that a single dose provides long-term protection. So now we're in this battle and argument between government scientists, U S government scientists, and this congressman and the Norris Cochran, and the acting secretary of the U S department of health and human services. What this tells me is that there's no consensus. There's no consensus on the vaccine. There's no consensus on how to give it, when to give it efficacy. Like these guys are making themselves look dumber every day. Why are we doing this? Why are we letting A bunch of nimrods push us around and tell us what to do. I don't get it. Either make up your mind and say, look, the two vaccines are the two dose vaccine is what you need. That's what we need to do. And that's fine. Johnson and Johnson's authorized for one dose. That's fine. That's how they're freaking invented. That's how they're made. Do it. Now let's fix the, the way we give the vaccine. Let's fix the rollout. You know what I mean? Why are we fighting the rollout? I don't understand. But. We're fighting it. We seem to be not. I, I have patients that ask me all the time. Where do I call? How do I get it? Who do I talk to? And I don't even know. I don't know where to guide them to. I, I just want to say like. Come on, man. You know, every time. Because I don't know what to do. But supposedly the new president and their team is doing better and making things better. I, I'm i lost. I maybe, Maybe I'm just one of the non-woke individuals, I guess, I'm trying to figure this out, but why would we fight the way this is going? Why would you get the Department of the acting secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services wanting to change what all of the science that was backed up prior to even get this approved through the FDA, why would he want to change that? And I'm being told, or I'm being read, I should say, not told, I read, that there's seven other... Congressmen that are physicians, but they're physician congressmen, have signed on to this idea. Okay, so those seven people who are practicing as congressmen, not as doctors, not working in labs, not working with medications, not working with epidemiological equipment and evidence and studies are now going to guide the people who do that and push harder for the people that do that To change science. What the hell is going on? They want to change science. They don't want to listen to science. Science says this is how it is. So, uh, you know, I I think we're at a crossroads. I think we need to determine what is the science. And it's fine if you don't know. If they just came out and said, look, we're not really sure. We think this is the best way to go. You know what? Most of us would probably appreciate that more than this emphatic, you know, guaranteed knowledge of stuff and then you change. And I probably said it before, but I'll say it again. If my interventional cardiologist or my cardiothoracic surgeon came to me and says, Look, we gotta we gotta do a cabbage, you have blockages, four vessel block, you need we need to replace everything, fix you up, that's why you're having chest pain. And then comes back to me a little later and says, Alright. So we were wrong uh we weren't we weren't totally honest with you that's not what really happened I you we think you have pneumonia you're like holy shit you guys even know what you're doing and then the x-ray comes back and i don't have pneumonia and the cultures come back and i don't have covid and all of a sudden they're saying nope we we think it's pleurisy it's just uh you're like wait a minute no wait you said i needed bypass I needed to go under the knife and have my chest cracked open. You need to bypass. And now you're telling me it's this little thing. Like, who's going to believe that person? Who would ever go back to that doctor? Nobody. But yet, we as society are going to listen to all of these doctors dictate to us how things are going to go in the, in the world of COVID. This is getting scarier by the day. Um, scarier in the fact that it's scary stupid. It's not scary that it's going to hurt me. It's not scary that it's going to kill me. It's just scary that the the more I know, the more I wish I didn't know. The more I understand these people uh, are running the policy and the guidelines that supposedly are supposed to help my health. Yet, here they are doing stupid stuff. I just, I don't know. It's kind of spooky. What are you going to do? I guess we'll just uh, let it continue, maybe? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Let's see. What else do we have going on? Uh, Well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go to commercial break here in just a minute, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Texas because Texas has pissed off all the liberals. Like, just they're unhinged. They're unhappy, and uh, they don't know what to do with themselves. So... We'll be back. medically unbiased. So Greg Abbott comes out and he says, yeah, we're going to reopen. Governor Greg Abbott says, we're going to reopen Texas. No more mask mandates. Now, what does that mean? Really? Is he saying you're not allowed to wear a mask? No. He's just saying that the state of Texas has decided that we're no longer going to mandate masking. And why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because now people are like, oh, he's going to kill everyone. No, he's not Cuomo. He's not sending you to your death. He's not putting you in a nursing home with COVID against a bunch of sick people. He's just saying that the state's not going to dictate to you that you have to wear a mask. We're adults. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine. But he's eliminating the power of the Karen mob. He's removed their ability to yell at you for not wearing a mask. No one yells at you for jaywalking. You never get accosted for jaywalking. That's against the law. You don't get accosted for a lot of things that are against the law. I'm sure there's stupid laws on the books in Texas, like you can't park your horse in a parking lot for longer than an hour or some weird rule. I don't know, and I'm not a lawyer. But I guarantee you there's some dumb law, and nobody's out there yelling about it. But the mask thing is a visual representation, and it allows people who have little to no hope in life about being any better than they are to yell at you for masks. So now Greg Abbott has sucked their power up and removed it because he removed the mandate. So now if you walk into the, you know, Krispy Kreme to get donuts and Krispy Kreme doesn't mandate that you wear masks in their store, well, they're there's no reason for the Karens of the world to come attack you. So I find it ironic that this young lady was at a Starbucks in the drive through. And I'm not sure that this happened in Texas. So let me couch this and I don't know where this happened at, but listen to this audio and realize that this lady's in her car. She's in the drive through and she's picking up. Now she's picking up her drink. Now know this, that she's been through this drive-through before and has experienced this before, and because it was so stupid, she went back to record it because it was that dumb. So listen up. Okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, you have a mask? No, I don't. I can give you one. Uh, you can give me one? I can give you one. Why I, do I, do I need you to wear a mask. So you can hand me a mask? I can hand you one, yeah. But you can't hand me the drink without a mask? <laughs> You've got to wear a mask. How does that make any sense? That's what I... Well, if you can hand me a mask, why can't you just hand me the drink? I can hand you the mask. <sighs> so he can hand me a mask, but he can't hand me my drink. This is Makes where we've perfect gotten sense, to. Makes sense, right? Yeah. This is where we've gotten to, folks. This is where we've gotten to in society. The mask means something the mask represents. It's a pure representation. It's not to protect anything. She's in a car in a drive through and this gentleman on the other side, the young man working at the store, is going to hand her a drink, presumably, that she ordered from Starbucks. In this case, he said, do you have a mask? He's going to hand her a mask. So the same motion, the same proximity of closeness is going to transpire to hand the mask to her. Well, guess what? You could also hand the drink to her like she's laughing about here. And I find it ironic that that has to be a video on YouTube, right? So when Greg Abbott removes the mask mandate in Texas, this is the kind of stuff that the Karens will no longer be able to do. Now, you can still wear a mask. Nobody's telling you not to wear one. At no point in time did Greg Abbott or anyone in Texas say you're not allowed to wear a mask. That's not what it says. He just said, I'm not going to mandate that you do it. Now, he was very adamant about he didn't want to mandate masks at all early on in the pandemic. If you go back in the history of last year, which is still available online, people, you can find out that he didn't want to mandate any masks. And he didn't until the 2nd of July of 2020. So on the 2nd of July, Texas finally issued a mandate for masks. Now, here's the weird thing. I don't have data. Up, I have days today's data, and I have the past data, but I don't have future data because I, you know, left my DeLorean in uh, the Quicken Park over at the airport. Anyway, I don't have my DeLoreans. So I can't go into the future and find out what happened. Okay. So here's the deal we're going to learn just how effective the no masking policy in Texas is. And I think the, I believe that the results are going to surprise many people because if you look at the map of deaths or the chronograph of deaths in Texas on July 2nd, when the mandate was initiated, there was 44 deaths in Texas. Now I realized this was still early in the pandemic, but Prior to that, there was like 50-some deaths. 52 deaths was the most on any given day starting as early as March 18th in Texas. So every day there was anywhere from zero to 50 deaths depending on the day. Now, after July 2nd, that number steadily climbs. Is it coincidence? It very well could be. I'm not saying that the masks caused deaths i'm just saying it's a weird coincidence that should be investigated in texas so and i'm only speaking of texas i'm not talking about any other state i'm just looking at the microcosm that is the giant state of texas so in texas on july 4th 37 people on july 6th 60 people by july 6th there was more people that died per day than on any day prior And that number continued to climb despite the mask mandate. July 8th, you have 119. Um, July 15th, there's 141. July 17th, 16th, there's 154. July 22nd, 203. Now, that number continues to climb until August 3rd. And then it drops slightly. Um, But then you're like 300 by August 14th. And you're going to continue on to the 100 to 200 a day range. Some days, drop to, some days drop in the Octobers. There's days dropping into the 20s. But then the next day, it's back up to 120. So I'm just saying the average is, you know, for the seven-day average is like 132. Prior to the mask mandate, the seven-day average was 34. So prior to the mask mandate, the seven-day average in Texas was 34 deaths from COVID. Now, after the mask mandate, July 2nd, 2020, the average, seven-day average, is ranging anywhere from 100 to 150. To, oh, look, in December 25th, Christmas, 205 is the average seven days. 205 deaths a day is the average. Um, in January, on January 18th, 305 is the seven-day average. All the way up to the 31st of January is 313. You know, we had a little drop in February, but we're back up. The end of February is 224, seven day average. Now, the slope starts going down every single day since the mandate was initiated. So now you've got March 3rd, 225 average, March 6th, 230 average. March 8th, 213 average, and the slope's starting to go down. We're going to have continued data on this. Here's the irony. If that continues to drop, there's good evidence that the masks are causal. The masks were either providing a false sense of security to the people wearing them, or they were making people touch their face more frequently, which we've hypothesized here numerous times, and causing problem. Or maybe... It didn't matter if you were wearing a mask. It was irrelevant. Now there's gonna be naysayers that are saying gonna say, Well, you know, the masks prevented death. So you're asking to prove an unprovable negative. You can't do that. That's like trying to prove the existence of God. No offense against anyone who believes in God or who doesn't believe in God, but you have to just believe. You know, people say, oh, I saw him or had a vision of him, I believe. So that's fine, and everyone's entitled to believe that. I, I truly think that's awesome, and I believe as well. But the point is that there's no proof. There's no guarantee there, right? I can't prove the negative in this regard. So we can't go back to July 1st or July 2nd, excuse me, 2020, not make a mask mandate and then see how many people die of COVID in Texas and see if the effects were good. You can only hypothesize that the effects were, oh, it it prevented a lot of deaths. It definitely did. Uh, No, there's no definitely did anything there. That's the problem. Um, I'm just blown away that everyone's freaking out. Um, So in most counties, Greg Abbott ordered Texans to wear a mask in public and they were going to be fined up to 250 bucks as of July 2nd. Now no masks in Texas and the world is freaking out. The literally the Twitter mob has not Twitter. Well, the Twitter mob and other mobs have come for Texas. Um, Dr. Erwin Redliner, who's a pediatrician, the head of Columbia university's national center for disaster preparedness said he was mortified and disgusted by the Texas move, which he called completely reckless. Really? Completely? I mean, those quote-unquote mortified and disgusted and another quote completely reckless is pretty aggressive language for, you know, Texas. And on MarketWatch, the headline says, expert mortified and disgusted by Texas reopening plan. It will kill Texans, says top Democrat. So, okay, yes, the mortified and disgusted expert is correct. And then they've used that to transition to it will kill Texans. The expert did not say it will kill Texans. Um, a guy named Hino, Hinojosa. Hino, I can never say names. I'm bad at names. I can barely say my own name. Um, So... He where is it? Uh, Gilberto Hino Hinojosa, sorry I butchered your name. He's the chairman of the Texas Democratic Party said the move was extraordinarily dangerous, quote, and quote, will kill Texans. So this chairman of the Democratic Party who is nobody in science has made an assertion, an absolute blanket assertion that he has no, no no standing to back up. No, I just a feeling to back, you know, so again, sticks and stones, he's going to feel with his, with his feeling and he's going to emote and say that this is going to kill people. And that's now supposed to be boom. He says, this will set us back, not move us forward. This is fact. Now he said it, therefore it is Democrats spoke must listen. Now Republicans do the same thing. When Trump was in office, Republicans did the exact same thing. However, we got a Democrat in office, so we're going to be looking at this from a different light. Now, there's no guarantee that death's going to happen. It's not like Abbott's running around like, you're going to die, you're going to die. He Abbott, no one's talking about, you know, what Andrew Cuomo did. That media's kind of went hush on that whole deal. Now he's in some, involved in some sexual scandal. So that's more important than killing family members, I guess. I'm not saying it's less important. I'm just saying that it's differently important. I think we should also be talking about the deaths, but Abbott hasn't killed anybody. Abbott did nothing. He just said, I'm not going to make you wear one. If you want to wear one, cool. I don't know. I beat this to death. Uh, but to me, it's the hypocrisy of today's world. I don't even know where to begin with some of the insanity that I see going on. So, uh, Yeah, it's a mess. I don't know what we're going to do about it, but guess what we are going to do? We're going to have a commercial break because uh, that's how we pay our bills. Just kidding. We don't have any bills here. Um, (laughs) We don't have any commercials either. It's just a sound bite so I can get a drink. Medically unbiased. Ah, tasty stuff. Tasty stuff, I tell you. Good old water. So, on the headlines, we'll do uh, do some headlines for you. We could do... Ooh, headlines. Like my headline opener? That was pretty cool. So, uh... The study estimates two-thirds of COVID-19 hospitalizations are due to four conditions, okay? And those four conditions are obesity. Oh, what? We never really talk about obesity? Why? Why is that a problem? 30%. It's the number one reason people were supposedly in the hospital with COVID is because they were fat. Now, obesity is a relative term, right? Because we go on the BMI scale. So I'm actually obese. I'm grossly obese. I'm like 34%. I didn't get COVID though. I'm just saying. Um, 26% had hypertension. And we know that obesity is directly responsible for some people's hypertension. So guess what? Obesity probably plays a bigger role than we even want to talk about. Oh, 21% were attributable to diabetes. And 12% were attributable to heart failure. So... That's a lot of hospitalizations. That's, you know, two, three, four, five hundred thousand, six, seven, eight. 500,000, That's like 800,000 hospitalizations. Oh, I'm saying I might have math. They said 900,000. That was pretty good for math, just going off the top of my head. So 906,849 total COVID 19 hospitalizations that had occurred in the U.S. adults as of November 18th, 2020. And of them, They're attributable to four major problems in health today. The four number one killers of humans today. Obesity, hypertension, heart failure, and diabetes. Now guess what all those are linked to? You guessed it. Poor diet. Almost all of those are listed in metabolic syndrome. So now carbohydrates are directly responsible for increasing metabolic syndrome throughout the country. We have kids with type two diabetes. And in 1985, there was no child 18 or under with type two diabetes. It was called adult onset diabetes at the time. It was not called type two yet. The government isn't out saying, Oh, you should stop eating carbs. No, they say you should wear two masks now because one isn't effective. You should wear two masks. Great. Thanks. That's uh, not helpful, actually. So, yeah, that's uh, article one, is that instead of actually helping, the the title should instead, instead of the title saying study estimates two thirds of COVID-19 hospitalizations due to four conditions, it should just say, look, we mandated masks instead of mandating healthy food and exercise. We closed gyms and we closed the outdoors so people couldn't leave their house. Therefore, they stayed at home and ate food because they were bored and they were stuck looking at the refrigerator and we gave them more diseases that then caused COVID that therefore they were hospitalized for. That's what the article title should read. I know it's long and wordy, but I'm just, you know, thinking that it it could happen. Now... (laughs) Oh gosh, the American Medical School Association is in a little bit of dot water. Uh they have a they have a podcast that they do and uh they <laughs> they made a tweet uh on Twitter. They published a tweet on Twitter and it was about racism and about how if no physician is racist, so how can there be structural racism in healthcare care? Instead of systemic, this is structural. But racism is a hot topic today. So I think it's quite comical that this was the tweet. And the Journal of American Medical Association is independent. They, they go on here and they talk a lot about how they're independent from the AMA. But the tweet and podcast are inconsistent with policies and views of the AMA, American Association, and I'm concerned about and acknowledge the harms that they have caused. Structural racism in healthcare and our society, society exists, and it is incumbent on all of us to fix it. Now, I am not by any stretch of the imagination African-American. I, I'm not. I don't even pretend to be. Um, I am Hispanic American. Um, I am a big guy. I am judged for my looks much more than I am my content in my brain. Um, So, you know, I've been, I guess, burdened by that uh, people's perceptions, right? But the stereotype of me does not become racism because I don't hate people. Um, There are a lot of physicians out there that are black, Indian, Chinese, every race, there's a ton of people out there, doctors. No, nobody in a trauma room, when they get injured, gets shot. Well, I say nobody. I would guess nobody. There may be some, but most people, when they get in a horrific car accident or they have a major heart attack, they don't show up to the hospital and be like, nope, don't give me that whatever, doctor, because I'm racist and I hate that kind of person. There's probably some people that are dumb enough to do that. That's fine, but guess what? The doctor is going to save that person. No doctor that I've ever met or that I know would ever say, you know what, that person is racist. I'm not doing a darn thing for them. They can go ahead and die. So I get what they were trying to say. However, the podcast is ran by two white guys, so it didn't go over very well on social media, and now the American Medical Association is kind of uh, paying the price for their (laughs) <laughs> For, so that made the headlines. I thought it was kind of uh sad and comedy um, at the same, not comedy because of the racism, but comedy because they tried to invoke the absence of racism while being doctors making assume half a million, a million dollars a year or more, and also white. So like in today's culture, you can't do that. The, <laughs> so, the, They're not obviously smart enough to understand that, but you can't do that. And that brings up another point. In the culture of today, with all of this, you know, appropriation of different cultures, is wearing a mask appropriating Asian culture? Because Asians have been wearing masks for years, right? So you've got China and Japan, the people who live there have worn masks for years. Am I appropriating their culture? Because I'm now wearing them. I don't know. It just seems I've gotten to that world. And it, the dumber it seems and the more ludicrous it sounds, I'm expecting to see it on a news feed in the not too distant future. So there, there's some good news. Another article is that there's three medical innovations that were fueled by the COVID-19 um, pandemic that they believe will outlast the pandemic, which is cool. So genetic vaccines, I mean, that's a, as much as people talk about the vaccine, there's haters and lovers, but let's face it. The vaccine rollout has been a disaster from both parties. I don't care who you're affiliated with. The States have screwed up the rollout. I don't know that it was the federal government's job to roll it out. And I wasn't alive when the polio vaccine was rolled out. I would think that was probably even better. There was less people less social media, probably, I don't know, just everyone get in line. We'll give you a shot kind of thing at the time. But today you have to have, it's all scheduling and a lot of stuff is done online. It's not all done by phone or in person, especially if you potentially have COVID. Nobody wants to see you at the vaccine center in person to schedule an appointment. So now you've got the sickest group of people trying to then schedule. So, and they're the ones that don't always know how to use the most technology of today. So it's just set up bad, bad. And it's just, I don't know. It If I couldn't laugh at this in a way of saying, oh my God, it's hilarious. And then try and say, what do we do moving forward to fix it? Then I wouldn't be human because you have to at least poke fun at the stupidity of it. Now, if you can't, and you're so uptight that you want to get, cancel me and be pissed off because I'm saying that, holy shit, why did the rollout go so bad and how do we fix it? And it was really hilarious that we did so stupidly. Then maybe you're the problem. I'm just saying. Um, So genetic vaccines are one of the three things that will outlive. That's cool. Wearable tech and early detection, which I don't know how that is part of uh, COVID, but uh, they used the researchers during this pandemic took full advantage of it. So there was a lot more... Uh, watches being used to monitor heart rates and pulse oximeters to monitor, you know, oxygenation. We've had those before. They're not, this article is hilarious because it doesn't, they didn't come because of COVID. We just used it in a manner that was already being used. We just used it more effectively. Uh, so no, I don't believe that's even a rational part of this thing. So that's funny. And then they said there's a new way to discover drugs. Huh. That's weird. A new way to discover drugs. Uh, proteins are the medical machines that make your cells function. When proteins malfunction or hijack by the pathogen, you often get disease. Most drugs work by disrupting the action of one or several of the malfunctioning or hijacked proteins. So, in a logical way to look for a new drug to treat a specific disease, is to study individual genes and proteins that are directly affected by that disease. Yeah, but they've been doing this for a while. I highlighted on the last podcast. That with the first SARS vaccine, they had already worked on an MRNA vaccine. So that's not new either. Yes, it it's not a new way, it's just the maybe found a more effective way. But again, another headline that's wrong. Three medical innovations fueled by COVID. No, they weren't fueled by COVID. They were already there. Two of them anyway were already there. Oh, well, I guess the MRNA vaccine already was more it was fueled by COVID. Um So let's see. What else is there? Uh, uh, Delayed large local reactions to mRNA vaccine. Oh, yeah. So there's... Where was it? It was Italy? No, Germany. Germany highlighted the other day that they don't... Their people do not want to take the Pfizer vaccine. They're refusing the Pfizer. So people are... There's giant centers to vaccinate people in Germany. And they're beautiful. I I saw a video of them, and the they're super clean. And the ch- there's chairs for the waiting area, and there must have been a hundred chairs in this giant auditorium waiting area. And then there's a ton of doctors and nurses and practitioners ready to dose people with the vaccine, and there's nobody in the in the vicinity to get a shot. Nobody. No. Why? I don't know. They don't want to get, they don't like the Pfizer vaccine for some reason. They're upset about it. So they don't want to get it. They'll take the Moderna vaccine, but the country ordered like 600 million doses or some crazy ass number of the Pfizer vaccine. So they've got a bunch of Pfizer vaccine. They're having a hard time utilizing it because the people there are picky and don't want it. So I think that's kind of ironic in a way. I, I don't understand the reason for not wanting to get the Pfizer vaccine. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about side effects and deaths. And I mean, there is side effects, right? You're going to have side effects. And again, we've always said the largest amount of people who do the biggest amount of screaming are the people that are the most negatively affected in any, any instance. So you got 10 people saying, oh my God, I almost died. Well, if they're the loudest talkers, everyone thinks that that's the person that's representing the majority. And generally, they're not. They're representing the minority. So, 10 people. Well, how many out of the 10, how many were vaccinated to get those 10 people? Was it a million people? If you have vaccinated a million people and only 10 had a side effect, that's really good numbers, considering other drugs have a higher negative effect, you know, side effect rate. Amlodipine causes lower extremity edema. And a lot of people have that side effect. So way more than 10%. um, At least it seems to be in the the real world evaluation of that. So again, side effects are uh, just a part of having drugs in your system. I guess if we weren't all obese and um, had heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes, maybe, maybe if we ate better. Maybe if the Food and Drug Administration fixed our food, we ate better, we'd be better off. I don't know. Um, But in this, delayed large local reactions to the mRNA-1273 vaccine against SARS-CoV-2. So, um, immediate injection site reactions, which were observed in 84% of the participants after the first dose. The trial also showed that delayed injection site reactions occurred in 244 of the 30,420 participants. So... Uh, these reactions included uh, arrhythmia, uh, induration, and tenderness. The reactions typically resolve over the following four to five days. However, these reactions were not further characterized, and links between reactions after the first dose and those after the second dose were not provided to inform clinical care. So we don't actually have the data. They're just making assumptions again. Gee, what Christmas! And this is an article coming out of the New England Journal of Medicine. So. A lot of anecdotal evidence Uh, observed observed delayed large local reactions with a median onset of on day eight after the first dose. Uh, hmm. So what is the MRNA one, two, seven, three vaccine? Who is that? Let's do that. MRNA dash one, two, seven, three vaccine. And who is that? Uh oh, Moderna. Manufacturer. That's the Moderna vaccine. That's hilarious. So they don't just come out and say Moderna, right? But uh, they're doing a lot of... <laughs> so Germany loves the Moderna vaccine, yet there's an article here dated March 3rd, 2021, from the New England Journal of Medicine that highlights the fact that it has a ton of side effects. Um, on the second day in a small percentage, 0.8% of the participants um, and 0.2% on the second dose. So like I said, know the denominator and you'll know the percentage. Small, small percentage. People had side effects. You're going to have side effects. That seems like a really low percentage of side effects to me doesn't say there's no side effects and they've never said there was no side effects. No one's ever said that. What we have, what I have said is they don't know how it's going to treat children and that's still being tested. So not sure who you're going to, whose kid gets sent in there to get it done. But uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, so last one is the interim public health recommendations for fully vaccinated people. I was requested to kind of go over the hilarious and stupidity, hilariousness and stupidity, I should say, of the CDC's recommendations for fully vaccinated people. This is the most ridiculous stuff I've read, and it's hilarious at the same time. So fully vaccinated people. Now, this was published March 8th. This is really new. This was published literally yesterday, okay? Fully vaccinated people can visit with other fully vaccinated people indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Now you're allowed to do that as long as the other person is also fully vaccinated. You can visit with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk for severe COVID-19 disease Indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Are you are you shitting me now? This is okay, cool. I guess, whatever. So we can talk to unvaccinated people. Well, how do we know? Is there a unicorn horn that grows out of our heads? Is there like a blinking light? Do our ears I mean, what's the sign? What's the signal? Do I you know, do I shake hands with somebody? And then you do that middle finger thing in the palm and it's weird. And you're like, oh, that now I know. I know that guy has been vaccinated or that girl has been vaccinated. She did the middle finger thing in my palm. Or, you know, how how are we? Is there a secret handshake? No one's told it to me. So please uh, send me an email, medicallyunbiased.com, info at medicallyunbiased.com. Send me an email. Let me know what the signs are for the vaccinated people so I can hang out with them. We can all mingle, right? Um, We can get along, be buddies. Uh, you can, vaccinated people now can refrain from, this is the best one, we can refrain from quarantine and testing following a known exposure if asymptomatic. Okay, so in other words, you're vaccinated, you got exposed, you're not going to get it. That's what they're saying, but it gets different. It takes a turn for the worse here, people. For now, fully vaccinated people should continue to Take precautions in public, like wearing a mask, a well-fitted mask, and physical distancing. I thought uh, we could refrain from quarantine and testing and we could visit with unvaccinated people and we only indoors. Oh, so in public, it doesn't say indoors or outdoors. You got to wear a mask. But if you're in a single household that's not in the public, Therefore, this fucking makes no sense. So wear masks, practice physical distancing, and adhere to other prevention measures when visiting with unvaccinated people who are at increased risk for severe COVID. Increased risk, we just said. See, so now you can't talk to fat people, people with high blood pressure, people with heart disease, or diabetics. So vaccinated people are not allowed to speak with unvaccinated not sick, but high risk people. And the high risk people we just highlighted a few minutes ago was obese, pretty much 30%. So that that eliminates you talking to 65% of the. US. population that are obese, assuming they haven't been vaccinated. right? But we don't know because nobody sent to me the vaccination knowledge database handshake thing so I've got that going for me, which is nice. I'm going to go out in the world, vaccinated, ready to, you know, ready to mingle. I mean, I'm married, but I'm still going to hang out with people. And guess what? I'm going to have a problem because I'm not, I'm going to have to be like, good full German. You have your papers. I want your papers. Give me your papers. I probably don't sign German, but anyway, that's what I have to say to people. Give me your, show me your papers, people. Let me make sure you've been vaccinated before we like hug it out. You know, it's just weird. It says avoid medium and large size in person gatherings. So now the size of the group could infect you, right? So you're you're vaccinated and you and you don't have to go into quarantine and get testing if you have a known exposure and you're asymptomatic. But you need to avoid medium and large size in person gatherings because, well, uh I don't know why but you have to because the the covid gods the cdc has dictated that that's the case this is this gets ridiculous well, get tested if experiencing covid-19 symptoms okay well great i guess um but what if i just have, i just have a cold like i guess we'll get keep getting we're going to forever be tested let's just face it remember i said masks at the beginning of this thing Masks are not probably going away forever. I mean, someone's going to be wearing masks. Okay. Follow the guidance issued by individual employers. All right. So your employer is now more powerful than the CDC, your employer. What if you work at Starbucks? That mask guy in the video that was telling the lady to wear a mask So he would hand her the stupidity of that. He has to follow that. Now, he was just following the guidance issued by his employer. He's probably an 18-year-old kid working at Starbucks. He has not the capacity to make a decision. He doesn't have that. Although it's ironic that we ask our military, my friends who were in the military that entered at 18, we asked them to go to Desert Storm and fight in a war. Um, and make decisions at 18 and 19 years old on life and death. But this kid at Starbucks can't make a determination on whether he should hand someone a drink. And now, because he has to follow guidance issued by his individual employer. Does, any, does anyone else hear the stupidity in that? I mean... It, Come on, man. No, I'm serious. It's really... It's, it's a thing, you know? I Every time I think of this kind of shit, I think of the... Speak as you might to a young child or a golden retriever. Because that's who I feel like I'm talking to, you know? Who cares? I know. I know. Uh, who does care? I don't know anymore. I question who cares. We've definitely went down party lines, political party lines on this whole thing of the mask, no masks. We are absolutely party line centric. If you don't like masks and you don't want to wear masks, you are Republican. If you want to wear masks and you're there to help others and protect the world, you're Democrat. That's what they've determined. So I guess I can't be in the middle anymore. I have to pick a side, a red or blue or green, whatever color it is. All right. And then follow the CDC and health department, travel requirements and recommendations, which they don't post, right? They don't even post it. So got that going for me which is nice. So people at increased risk for severe illness, which is funny because they will put a link there for the increased risk people. Now, uh increased risk older people, we've known that. But did you remember that the number one killer or hospitalizations of people was obesity? It wasn't an age. There was no age at all. It was purely of the people that were hospitalized. 30% of them were obese. So didn't say anything about old people, pregnant people. They weren't even, they weren't even listed as a, a microcosm of the top 5 I'm not saying that they're not at risk. That's understandable, but you as a vaccinated person, need to wear a mask when you're around pregnant people because I guess they're more susceptible to COVID and I don't see the evidence. I don't know where that comes from. It says people with medical conditions. Oh, all the people I mentioned before. So now we've also added old people and pregnant people to the, you know, 300 and I'm sorry, the 150 million Americans that are obese, right? So now you can't talk to anybody. (laughs) You're not allowed to talk to anybody. So uh, 650 million adults were listed as obese in 2016. That's 39% of adults aged 18 years and older. Thirty nine. So you've cut out essentially 40% of the adult population you cannot talk to without a mask, even though you have absolutely no possibility of getting the disease that kills 0.1% of people, because guess what? You got vaccinated, but the CDC, uh, their guidelines are pretty on par with stupid. I mean, with, uh, saving the world. Did I say stupidity? I almost said stupidity, but I meant saving the world. I really did. I meant it. Uh, not what I said, but that's what I meant. So sometimes we don't always say what we mean. Anyway, it's, uh, more like uh, Fauci or uh, Andrew Cuomo. i did not always saying what I mean or meaning what I said, but that's what I meant. So, yeah, the CDC is great. They love everybody, and they're here to help. Um, and let's just face it. We, as a medical profession, have lost so much credibility during this whole thing. And for everything that everyone's saying that, oh, these people were great, and this helped, and this person's awesome... There's another person on the back end of that saying the completely opposite thing. And I've been as guilty of that as anybody because I'm saying the completely opposite thing as a lot of people are saying. So we live in echo chambers, right? We only listen to people that also espouse our position. And on this show, I try to listen to other positions, other people. The problem is, is the other people today that I'm reading, that I've read, the articles I've read, make me laugh because they're not actually defending their position, I'd be fine. I'm fine with changing my position if you can show me evidence and not even asking for evidence in the negative. I'm just asking for evidence. So how do we get there? I I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, even here on the CDC site, it says a growing body of evidence suggests that fully vaccinated people are less likely to have asymptomatic infection and potentially less likely to transmit SARS CoV 2 to others. Uh, okay. So it doesn't say when we're going to get out of the masks. It doesn't say that you're going to have to show papers, but that's coming, people. Think about that for a minute. How would you like to want to go to, let's see, you want to go to a concert and see your favorite band? You haven't seen them in years, the restrictions are lifted. Public public gatherings is just now a thing, but you got to wear a mask. Do you really want to go jam out to your favorite band with a mask on? Nobody wants. There'll be some people to go, but I don't. I don't think the ticket sales will be what they were. You know, we have systematically destroyed the norm, and I don't know how we get it back. I'm concerned about how we get it back. I'm concerned that my six year old thinks a mask is now a fashion thing yeah, I've turned into my father. I don't understand my child or my children's generation about stuff because I find it completely offensive that all of the science says that children shouldn't have to wear masks because children don't get this disease and don't spread it to others. Yet, the group that follows the science, the Democrats, the scientific following group, says, no, they got to wear masks. And then the teachers... Say, oh, they got to wear masks in school because they will prevent asymptomatic spread. It's the stupid just burns. It continues to burn against all I know and can rationalize in my head. So I don't know maybe this was maybe this was a crazy podcast for you. Maybe you uh, didn't learn anything. Maybe I just was your echo chamber. Not really sure, but I have to. I have to thank Christy for highlighting the stupidity of the CDC today when she sent me that uh, tweet, because it is funny. And the more I read it, the more I find it just as stupid as uh, the rest of the world does. So uh, thanks for sending that in. Stay well, everybody. Enjoy, and uh, we'll be with you again in another week or so. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.